Live Above the Noise, the Choiceful Family Project. Welcome to Live Above the Noise, the Choiceful Family Project. I'm your host, Wayne Yurcha. Our digital world brings us many benefits, but it also exposes our children to an addictive and toxic mix of tech, media, and consumerism that harms their healthy development and undermines their happiness. To better navigate the ever-increasing pressures and challenges of this accelerating digital world, today's children and families need to develop a power we call choicefulness. Choicefulness is a power built on a new and different set of skills, skills specifically designed to protect and prepare our children for a fulfilling future in the age of noise. So if you're a parent looking for new ways to engage with your children, motivate your children, and prepare them for a positive future, we have created this podcast to help you. Thank you for joining us. This is episode number 10, and I'm here with my podcast partner, developmental and educational psychologist, and kids media expert, Dr. Rob Ryer. And if this is the first episode you're listening to, we suggest that you may want to listen to the episodes in order, since each episode builds upon the preceding ones. Now, in our last episode, episode number nine, we talked about inside and outside communication, and we introduced you to center point communication, the first of a critical set of proactive self-management skills for your children that we call life choice skills. We talked about how center point communication, life choice skill number one, relates to critical thinking, job skills, freelancing, and the consumer worldview. Now today, in this episode, we'll be introducing you to a unique method designed to help children develop those critical life choice skills. It's called entertainment, and we'll be providing you with a framework to help you better understand, motivate, communicate, and engage with your children. That framework is called the Entertainment Playbook. So let's get going. To start, Rob, what is entertainment? Entertainment is defined as choiceful entertainment. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, we're calling it choiceful because it involves a funnel of three concepts, awareness at the top, ability in the middle, and control at the bottom. Now, the funnel means this. It means that you've got to be aware before you can develop certain abilities. And you have to be aware and develop those abilities before you can use the abilities to control your life and maximize the control you have in your life. So choiceful entertainment is involved in developing and looking at all three of those dimensions. How do I increase my child's awareness? How do I teach my child certain things about their abilities? And how do they learn to use their awareness and abilities to gain more control and build a story that is fulfilling and leads to success in their future. And one of the most important components of entertainment is that it is motivating to our children. Rob, why is motivation so important? Because the key to understanding your child, really the core element that you really, really need to pay attention to is motivation. And entertainment gives us a window, an opening into motivation that other forms of learning about yourself and about psychology and strategies don't do that. They're relatively academic. 
But by looking at it through the window of entertainment, we can find out things and talk about things as a family and introduce ideas into our family discussion through entertainment. It's the perfect, I mean, perfect medium to understand ourselves if and only if we take the medium and use it in different ways than we're using it now. Think about it this way. If your child goes to school and someone is saying, "Um, okay, what you need to do is develop this particular skill. Now, why would I do that? Unless I was either afraid of the teacher, had to get a grade for doing that. But what's the inside motive for developing the skill that's being suggested? Most often, it's an outside kind of behavior training that takes place. We're looking for things that naturally motivate, that are fun, they're enjoyable, they're a part of what a child loves, and then turning those things into learning about yourself and about the world around you. So the importance of motivation as a starting point is to say, how can we find those things to get involved in without having to train somebody or discipline somebody or work at it from the outside. Again, that's another perfect example of, is it outside communication? Are we having the teacher give you a grade or train you? Or is it intrinsically motivated? Unfortunately, creating intrinsic motivation is often the opposite of how our educational system works, isn't it? Yeah, very much the opposite. But you have to have some sense of how to do that. And that depends on the age of the child, what they can handle, and the best way to pace that through different developmental stages. And that's what we want to offer parents is an understanding of different ages and stages and how to go about using entertainment in a way to develop that inside communication at the earliest possible ages and then be able to carry it through into adolescence so that there's a tool in place that got put in place almost naturally and in a fun way. And it wasn't opposed on a child, but rather it was something that they loved and become familiar with, and they developed that tool naturally. Can you maybe give us an example of that? Yeah, let's take an example. Let's say, for example, I have a 14-year-old son, and he's involved in video games, and that's one of his passions. And he has his own character that is his favorite character is his his own game, his own story. So the direct way of doing that would be to say, what are you watching? You're doing that too much. I don't want you to be doing that, spending that much time. That's one way to do it. But then if you ask yourself, what is the child going to do? They're just going to figure out a way to do that when you're not around or in a different way. They're typically not going to say, oh, okay, it's not going to work that way. So they're going to do it anyway. They're just going to figure another way to do it. So there's a second way to enter that world of the child and say, tell me more about that guy. What do you think so cool about that guy? What is he up to? How does he go about that? What gets in his way? What kinds of style does this guy have? What makes him so cool to you? Now, that's the indirect approach to it, which then opens the door for you as an adult and a parent and a family member to go, wow, that's interesting. I see why my son is identifying with that character. Is it something that I can help him develop within himself because he's identifying with that in the character? 
And uh, maybe we can talk about that in a way where he can understand I'm with him. I get it. I see what he sees. But then at the same time, because you are an adult, you can take it up to another level. And there's a great possibility there for expanding that idea into a better idea. And you can open the door to other forms of control and power, something that a child may not be aware of. They're a little more abstract. They take a little more time. But that's the way you can use that understanding. Okay, but uh, what if the character that the child is attracted to is a really dark or violent character? I know a lot of parents, understandably, are going to be concerned about that. A negative character would have a negative value. The moral value that the child is identifying with is important to understand. Why? What is it about that character? And based on the idea of what we're doing, which is awareness, ability, and control, a lot of what a parent will notice is the character is violent. It's my child's favorite character. But they can ask the question or at least understand why do they relate to a violent character? And based on where we're headed with the idea of your child learning to understand how to control their life, what the parent could understand from that is like, well, because that character is powerful, that character gets his way. That character dominates other characters. Even though it's violent, it's an insight. It's a view into what your child is needing and wanting and why your child is relating to that character and the value that that's setting up within your child to be related to a violent character because there's something that's necessary to learn. And we want parents to know that we will be going into all of this in a step-by-step way as we move forward into the next episodes. But today, we want to set that up by introducing parents to a framework for using entertainment in order to engage, communicate with, and motivate their children. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we call that framework the entertainment playbook. And a big part of the playbook is something that's called the motivational theater. And we'll be getting into more of that in just a minute. But Rob, first, why do parents need the motivational theater? What's the purpose of it? Or even a bigger question, why do parents need a framework at all? Well, because there's a lot to consider in today's day and age. And to wrap your head around that as a parent, the things that are critical, that are necessary, is much more difficult today than it's ever been in the past. Society has become so complicated with regard to tech, media, and consumerism that if you don't have a framework, you'll take a piece of something. Parents will typically say, well, the best thing I can do right now is maybe restrict the use of my child's phone, which isn't a bad idea. It's a great idea. But the bigger picture is, wait a minute, there's a lot more going on here that you need to be aware of, and it's very complicated from a psychological perspective. So what can we do to reduce that down into a simplified version that parents can understand? And the idea here is created in a theater framework that gives parents a way to wrap your head around it, to understand it in the simplest possible way. So let's get into that. Let's talk about the motivational theater. So let me just paint a picture of that framework for our listeners. You're walking into your favorite theater. And um, as you walk in, you see the aisles on both sides and you see all of the seats. 
and you see a stage in front of you. So you take a seat in your favorite seat and you look up at the stage and there on the stage is a spotlight. And at the back of the stage is a curtain. And behind that curtain is the backstage. But let's start on the front stage. So Rob, what do you want to tell us about the front stage? Well, think about every human being has a story that they are telling, whether they realize it or not. They're developing their own story, which is going to wind up someday as their legacy or no legacy. But whether you know it or not, you're creating a story. So on the front stage, we're looking at what's in that story spotlight here and now in your life and in your family's life. And that's going to be different for each of the family members. Their front stage will have their story being done with the issues that are related to their story in this time and space. And all family members will be in a little different place with regard to the front stage. But it's here and now what's going on. Okay, so the front stage is what's happening in our children's lives and our families' lives right now in the present. What's the backstage? So if you notice what happens in our lives, two things, first of all, happen is life goes on consciously. We're aware of things while simultaneously things are going on unconsciously that we're not aware of. What that means or translates into is the fact that our backstage is the subconscious areas of our life that we forget. It's our past experience. It's our individual differences. It's all those things that sort of drop down into the subconscious that we forget about. And they all are relevant sooner or later in some front stage dimension of our life. But they sit back there under the hood subconsciously and they can wreak havoc if we're not aware of what's going on in that backstage. Why, for example, do many parents not identify a child's multiple intelligence skills, talents, passions that are all buried in the backstage? What happens to those? If you don't identify them, if the ability is not brought out through the awareness, then some of those become dormant and they're not used to move a child into the future stage because nobody addressed them. They remain quiet, hidden, and silent in the backstage. So when we develop this motivational theater idea, the idea is that you always have a backstage, you always have a front stage, and you're always moving toward the future stage. But if you don't include the backstage, you're going to be unaware of certain factors in your life that really alter the front stage and the future. Now, I noticed that you mentioned the future stage. Where does the future stage fit into the motivational theater? The future stage is where you're headed based on what's going on on your front stage. You're already moving toward a future. You have your goals. You're creating that future in real time on the front stage. You haven't arrived yet, but the reason it's critically important to understand is that if my awareness and my choicefulness is being diminished on my front stage and I'm not as aware or I don't understand my abilities or I'm not developing forms that will help me control my life in the future because of tech media and consumerism, then my future stage is not being developed 
the way it could be developed if I was more aware, had my abilities more and control more intact. So that's the future stage. But how do these stages of the motivational theater, the front stage, the backstage, the future stage, how do they relate to all of the noise that we face every day, all of the, all of the pressures from tech, media, and consumerism that all of us, including our children, face every day? How does the motivational theater help us with that? Yeah, so think about noise being on the front stage. A lot more noise than we've ever had before. On this front stage, are you distracted by the noise? Are you disrupted? Are you paying attention to certain elements from your past that are necessary to understand? For example, do you understand your talents and your passions? Those are in the backstage. And on the front stage is all this distraction going on all this interference with you and your understanding of who you are and how to pay attention to what makes you tick and how to draw upon those elements that are from your backstage or to revise those elements in a way that work for you in the future. So today's world, it makes it especially necessary to understand certain things about your backstage that you can draw upon to increase your potential on the front stage and the future stage. So let me give you one example of that. As a parent, many parents don't understand their child's passion. The passion sits most often in the backstage. It's often out of sight. It's something that motivates a child to do things without even thinking about it because they're so excited about it. That's back there in that backstage. If you don't think about that, as a backstage element that you want to draw into the front stage so you can use it to increase your child's motivation, whether it's school or academics or a job or the future. It's the critical thing that lies often in the background. And that's why today it's important not to neglect all three of the stages. So that's the motivational theater. And in order to best utilize this framework, we are suggesting that families form what we call the family story team. Now, the family story team is created to support their children's development and help them develop higher levels of awareness, ability, and control, which, of course, is choicefulness. Now, the story team can be large or small. Usually, it consists of and is led by a parent or parents. But it can also include other family members, brothers and sisters, friends, or anyone really who is committed to the child's healthy development. So Rob, what can you tell us about the story team and how it relates to these uh, challenges that families face with regard to tech, media, and consumerism? We've explained the power of tech, media, and consumerism and how the speed of change is making that more and more powerful. So that's a force. Tech, media, and consumerism force, and that force has a story based mostly on how they make money for them, their story. So where does that leave the family? The family has a set of values that they're trying to, they're trying to have their children learn. Tech, media, and consumerism may not be in a line with that set of values. So their story, tech, media, and consumerism, may be antagonistic. So the story team has to consist of the integrated group of people that believe in the values 
that they want to develop in their children and in their family. So we think of that as our story being the family, pulling together the story team to develop that story and to be able to understand how that story is more important than the story being created by tech, media, and consumerism. So forming a family story team is really about using entertainment to support and encourage the child's development so that they have those skills and tools in place to be able to create the best possible story for their life, their life and their future, isn't it? Totally, yeah. And that's the whole idea of the team, is we're here to understand you at your age and stage and what it's about for you. And if we can get to that place using entertainment, then there's an open door for expanding development and ideas. And I'd like to add one thing to that, Wayne, which is what makes this different? So the old ways of teaching children, uh, which is do this, do that, this is right, that's wrong, that's one way of doing it. That's the direct way. But there's another way to do this, which is the indirect way, is to use what the child already loves, is motivated by, and use that material like their entertainment that is interesting to them and do it indirectly by creating a story team of people that understand what the child is dealing with, why the child is involved in the entertainment, what they're getting out of it, what their motives are, what they see, even if it's radically different than what the adult is seeing. Because you can learn a great deal from just watching what it is that a child identifies with and connects with. That's the whole idea of doing it indirectly, building a story team that gets this, that says, you know, I want to learn about what's going on with my child, but I can't get to it if I can't motivate them or get them interested in my ideas directly. So let me take a look indirectly by understanding what their ideas are, and then I can begin to work with that as long as I know what that is. So there's a lot of possibilities once that door is open with indirect forms of communication. But of course, there's also a place for direct communication as well, isn't there? So we're not saying that direct communication is not necessary also, but we are saying that indirect communication especially when you're using your communication to discover or uncover certain things about the child, is a much more effective way to get underneath what's going on and understand how you can use some of the materials in the backstage of a child's life to inspire them and move them more toward motivated behavior that's intrinsic. Essentially, what we're saying is, Both types of communication, both direct communication and indirect communication, serve a purpose at specific ages and stages of development and with certain types of children. You know, for parents today, this whole idea of understanding their children better, what their passion is, what the pressures and challenges facing them are on a daily basis— is just so critical today because the growing power of tech, media, and consumerism is just, is just so dominant. 
I mean, for children today, creating their own authentic, meaningful life story is just so difficult, isn't it? Yeah, this is harder and harder to do because there's more interference in how I build my story, more complexity. The speed of life has changed. Stress has changed. And we're noticing at different levels with students that where millennials are getting out of high school, starting college and wondering, what is my story? I can't get squared away. I don't even understand what I'm here for. And then, of course, the pressures of change within the culture and climate change and other issues make it almost like impossible to figure out how to integrate your own story. And the research indicates that probably 95% of the population won't do that. They'll have a story, but it won't be a story that is maximized for mental health, well-being, fulfillment, success. It won't be that story. It'll be the story of how I got by. I have to share a discussion I had with a friend of mine. He's 75. He's just turning 75 years old. And we talked yesterday. He said to me, Rob, I'm really struggling here. And I go, what's going on? And he's going, I have everything I'm supposed to have. I have a decent income. I have my house. I have my ability, my creativity. I'm in the field of music. I have everything. And I have to go to a psychiatrist next week for my anxiety disorder. And I said, so what's that about? And he said, I don't know. I don't have any idea, but I do know this. I watch television. I get involved in tech and I'm disconnected. I'm totally disconnected. I'm anxious. I don't even understand what's happening to me. I can't create my story or finish my story because I'm so anxious. And that's a very, very interesting conversation because it's a great example of how seductive consumerism and technology and media is while at the same time it's destroying your ability to work out your own story in your own way to maximize your well-being. It's very, very, very difficult. And that would, of course, be even truer for our children. So where do we go now in terms of helping children and families create their own best story? I think we want to take a look at practical activities that a parent can be doing for the child that they select and the story team that they develop. And we're going to begin doing that in the next episode when we have a special guest with us. Adrian Principe is a mom of four who is also the founder of Turning Life On and the co-founder of The Concord Promise. She'll be joining us in the next episode, episode 11, where we'll start getting into specific ways that parents can utilize the entertainment playbook, the motivational theater, and something we call the inner IQ. We're really looking forward to having Adrian join us. So until then, thank you for listening and live above the noise. Hello, everyone. If you'd like to get our email update about new episodes, tips and tools, and all the latest information, please sign up for our Noise Watch update on our liveabovethenoise.com website.